So hello, everybody. Last uh, speaker. Thank you very much, Bina. Thank you very much, Casco, and Open for inviting me. It's extremely nice to share the panel with, uh, with you two and to share our ideas and discuss uh, further, hopefully, practice and the ideas of commoning and the idea of a tool, which is probably the most relevant reason why um, Bina asked me to present today. So I'm going to talk about the Museum of Artutil. Um, I come from a museum, the Van Abba Museum in Eindhoven. And maybe it's a museum that plays at being a museum sometimes. Um, and this particular project is a project that was initiated by an artist called Tanya Brugere, who we invited to the museum. Uh, in fact, originally to think about doing a solo exhibition. And I always think that that's quite interesting, that uh, she sort of eschewed the possibility of only showing her own practice or only voicing her own um, ideas and, and uh, artistic oeuvre to to utilize perhaps the museum and the space and the platform for something else. It was a project that she had wanted to do for a long time. Uh, she'd been teaching around the idea of what she called arte util. Util in Spanish, Spanish roughly translates as useful, but it goes further implying a notion of tool or device. The central premise of uh, the art util project and here the Museum of Art Util is to consider practices and initiatives in which artistic thinking is used as a tool to intervene in the world and bring tangible change. In this sense, and I think this is interesting when you, when you think about where it's located in the Van Abba Museum, a museum established in 1936, in this sense it stands opposed to modernist notions of artistic autonomy. By initiating this project, we were interested in naming, interrogating, and tracking practice that has over many years often functioned outside or independent of the gallery or museum system. A muse uh, practice and a means of working that is initiated and carried forward by multiple users with the inherent demand for self-organization and collectivity and the eschewing of single authorship that that entails. And it has the ability to offer alternative solutions to the status quo as imposed by the systems of power or market logic. We wanted to identify a set of protocols or tactics that were being carried out across vastly different contexts and timeframes, offering a vision of a way of artistic thinking that can serve as a form of pragmatic resistance, wrenching the notion of critical art practice aware for, away from mere critique to show a method and a history of working that takes place in the real, or as Stephen Wright would have it, a, a person I'll refer to again, a philosopher who's thinking about notions of usefulness on a one-to-one -one scale. So not just the, the, in the trap of representation or the prototype, but actually trying to look at the thing itself. So to be a museum of art util indeed required a certain change within the infrastructures, within the protocols and within the thinking of a museum established indeed in the height of modernity to show modern and contemporary art practices. One of the things that we wanted to do was to start to really show um, a history, indeed understand that notion of the museum, maybe even to hyperbolize the notion of the museum as a history-making machine, as an art history-making machine. What Tanya, I think, thought was extremely important on that level was the idea that we should indeed utilize and instrumentalize the museum to, to mark uh, a practice, a history that is often marginalized, uh, a practice, art util, as she called it, which one could say has legacies in activist practice, community practice, political practices, and, uh, and a practice that we 
started to simply research and un try and understand and compare and define as a movement or, and, as a, and as a definable history that is often, as we said, marginalised or erased from the history of art or certainly the history of the exhibitionary or the history of display. And so to that end, we started to think with uh, several colleagues. I mean, obviously, Tanya was crucial in this, but there was a broader group of people who researched together. Gemma Medina and uh, Alexandra Saviotti proved to be our major researchers and worked for about two years with myself and Nick and many other people, including Bina and Vivian and I think Galit and many other colleagues who we simply asked, how would you start to define an idea of art utile? How would you understand it as perhaps global practices, historical practices? What could... The criteria be for this kind of work? How would we generate a particular history? And so we start to look actually at a set of criteria, almost a quasi-scientific idea of indeed playing the museum, playing the idea of constructing a particular type of history, a particular type of um, criteria for a movement to name and to see what it might be. So the criteria became very important, and I think certain commonalities will come up around this idea of, uh, um, um, you know, uh, the common and the idea of sharing authorship and rather eschewing a kind of classic idea of, of how artists might actually be, be uh, categorized and how art might be categorized. So just to quickly go through these criteria... Um, that we settled on as a way of identifying and thinking about practices. Um, we thought about, in fact, eight. We didn't always insist that all of the, the works had to meet these. But one of the most important ones was to propose new uses for art within society. A second was to challenge the field within which it operates, whether that's civic, legislative, pedagogical, scientific or economic or many others. Um, but again, of course, these are, are uh, um, the fields in which it operates are beyond the, the, the known or understood institutional art field. It needs to be timing specific. It needs to respond to current urgencies. It should be implemented and function in real situations. This is extremely important and amazing when one thinks about how artists often ventriloquize or, or talk to a situation, but perhaps it doesn't actually function in that situation. And we really try to make a distinction with these projects on that level. One of the most important criteria, and the one I think that uh, you know, has huge potential in relation to this conversation, is the idea of we had to replace authors with initiators and spectators with users. It needed to have practical and beneficial outcomes for users. It needed to pursue sustainability whilst adapting to changing conditions. And I, at the end, and the, maybe the, the most uh, sort of uh, hopeful idea was to re-establish aesthetics as a system of transformation. So you can see we did engage in quite a theatrical uh, uh, sort of set of exchanges in relation to trying to develop this new Museum of Art Util. Here you see, in fact, that what we, we understood uh, very clearly was that the institution of the museum as it stands is entirely inadequate for this practice. Its architecture is inadequate. The um, uh, modes of display are inadequate. Um, so how could we repurpose our museum or think or really at least open out uh, the thinking around what might need to change? And so we, we created a new facade. You can see that we even took the Vanaba Museum neon sign and blocked out Vanaba Museum and just left the word use. So there was this kind of playing out of the idea that in order to really engage with these practices, to think their representation but also their activation might require us to simply change. 
I just want to show you um, the other real issue in relation to that desire for the exhibition and the trap of the exhibition and the trap of display or the trap of the event in relation to a longer term, perhaps, um, development of ideas with people was um, how, how could we indeed reinvent or relook at the space and understand perhaps um, the mechanisms of display and reuse them or at least understand them at different registers. And so we're trying to create a history. Uh, one could say that the earliest uh, things that we put in this archive of Artetil once we decided on the criteria was a work from 1827. It was an, um, a, a piece uh, from the Cincinnati Times store in the United States, which was a labor exchange uh, store, right up to very recent examples that we came across, like um, uh, Strike Debt and uh, man many other things, like Laurie Joe Reynolds' TAMS 10 project in the States. So very many things that are still ongoing, in fact. Um, but we tried to track this history over yeah, a 200-year period. We thought it seemed really inadequate to track things chronologically. In a way, it seemed really inadequate to track things geographically. Um, some things uh, fell into a kind of a trajectory of how art history might be understood. Um, other things were very existential or political or based within a particular context and a particular time. And so we thought perhaps a better way to categorize these works or practices would be in relation to the strategies themselves. And so we developed a series of rooms um, for our Artutil Museum that um, allowed the practices to be compared and contrasted and to accumulate, to kind of show their pro productivity in their own comprehensiveness. This big circle that we're showing here, the front part is actually that facade that you saw outside with the neon sign, sort of suggesting a new museum. But we actually worked with a series of designers called Construct Lab, who suggested, again, we had to break with the logic of the white cube. Again, it's, it's of course, a kind of superficial action on some levels, but nevertheless quite a dramatic and scaled up one for a particular period and this is what we did so we actually developed this huge wooden circle that cut through each of the rooms um, in the museum uh, suggesting uh, I, I guess a different dynamic we also then tried to create a different logic that the white walls of the museum would be a place where we showed the archive we displayed a sort of um, what would you say a secondary level of representation of certain projects we also decided we wanted to, to enact certain projects in the museum um, on a one-to-one -one scale. So if you like, in the real, in real time, in real space. And the wall itself was a space that was open for other people to insert themselves, insert their histories, insert their practices. So just to quickly uh, uh, explain the, the terms that we used or the, the rooms and the strategies that we named. The very first room was called Use It Yourself. I think it's kind of uh, fairly self-explanatory. Uh, second was institutional repurposing. And this came from two ends. One was perhaps one could think about it in relation to a more productive form of institutional critique, a, a kind of suggestion that one could hijack or rethink or reuse the museum or the art space itself. And another was um, actually that the Institute of Art could be made useful to, for other ends. Um, a good example of that might be indeed the silent university of Ahmed, who we also sort of displayed some of the archive of, that he is using the agency of the Art Institute as a space in which to institute something that might, uh, might not elsewhere happen. So this idea of institutional repurpose we thought was a very interesting tactic that came back again and again. 
Um, we thought about another area or, or, or a set of practices that seemed to be very interesting. Um, illegal, we named them. So not illegal, but again, around this grey zone of legislation and how uh, particular artists are extremely creative in sort of understanding and thinking around that notion of, of um, loopholes or uh, using the law as a kind of subject matter to kind of understand um, um, yeah, imaginative practices and practices of resistance. We had a room of controversy. Often we thought that there were uh, particular practices that um, um, attempted to be useful or refused a sense of use or worried about a notion of instrumentalization or effectivity. And we thought it's really important to talk about this. These are the kind of traps in which we, we often fall when we try to think about notions of use or usefulness in relation to art. Another was space hijack, so perhaps uh, not as gentle as institutional repurposing, but actually really thinking um, closer to ideas of uh, activism, perhaps actually taking over space, using artistic strategy in a, in a much more um, agonistic or antagonistic way to actually hijack space. Um, we also developed an archive room, which became very important in relation to this museological practice of generating history thought about open access, everything from ideas of copy left to ARG to many different ideas of how we're trying to open and share um, information um, in, in, in contemporary times. Another really important idea was legislative change. In, in a way, we, we sort of joked at some point that Artutil, the ultimate of Artutil, the best Artutil was when one could change the law, when you could not only um, institute a kind of dramatic sense of change in the world for the duration of an exhibition or the duration of a project or the duration uh, or a short duration, but you could actually manage to, to change the law. You could actually institute something at a much more sort of, uh, yeah, uh, legislative level. And the final idea was reforming capital. Many, many artists have been developing projects over time in relation to, of course, economy, alternative bartering systems. Um, strike debt was one example we used, for example. Uh, so all kinds of different grouping together of people who are really thinking through the, uh, the notion of money exchange and, uh, and how, how we deal with those practices. So... Um, to that end, we also worked with Stephen Wright, who was, became a very important thinker for us. And I'd say, you know, there's so much of a legacy of all of this practice in the museum still today. It's really allowed us to think through how we might become more useful, how we might understand use in relation to, again, an architecture that's completely geared and a pr professional practice that's completely geared towards spectatorship. And uh, Stephen Wright wrote for us a lexicon of usership. He suggested in a very kind of beautiful and often very uh, f a way that is full of humor, a set of terms that might need to be instituted or retired, things that are absolutely inadequate for nowadays if we want to understand use. And so I'll just read a small quote from Stephen Wright just to explain a little, little bit why uh, we, th we find his set of uh, thoughts around the institution and the role of art and its turn towards the museological as something extremely important for us to continue thinking with today. The past several decades have witnessed what might be described as a broad museological turn across all sectors of society. Of course, people have been using words and tools and services and drugs since time immemorial. But with the rise of network culture, users have come to play a key role as producers of information, meaning and value, breaking down the long-standing opposition between consumption and production. 
With the decline of such categories of political subjectivity, such as organized labor, and the waning of the social democratic consensus, usership has emerged as an unexpected alternative, one that is neither clear-cut nor welcomed by all. For usership runs up against three stalwart conceptual edifices. Oh, sorry. Okay. For usership runs up against three stalwart conceptual edifices of contemporary order. One is expert culture, for which users are invariably misusers. And this, I think, is very interesting in relation to this idea of other people demanding to use the institution. I think institutions are often terrified of misuse, and it's really interesting to, to think through that idea of what that might be when we open to use rather than spectatorship or other regimes of the aesthetic. Spectatorship, for which usership is inherently opportunistic and fraught with self-interest, and most trenchantly of all, the expanding regime of ownership, which has sought to curtail long-standing rights of use. Yet usership remains as tenacious as it is unruly. The culture, uh, in the cultural sphere, we have also witnessed this shift. Turning away from pursuing art's aesthetic function, many practitioners are redefining their engagement with art, less in terms of author, excuse me, authorship, than as users of artistic competence, insisting that art foster a more robust use values and gain more bite in the real. And to that end, he suggested many things should be forgotten, such as autonomy, such as art. Um, we should retire the idea of disinterested spectatorship. We should think much more in terms of escapology. We should think more of poaching, of the parasitical, of profanation. Um, and it's a wonderful book. It's available still on the, on the website. One can download it. But I think these terms are really provocative, especially in relation to this idea, perhaps, of a, um, what I liked very much, this idea of infrastructural critique, what we might need, what terms and thinking we might need to kind of continue to be much more open to the notion of use as cultural institutions today. Thank you.